Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, believe it by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now, City Slickers with Chuck and Victoria. Two judgmental New Yorkers talking movies. Welcome back at City Slickers with Chuck and Victoria, episode three. Welcome, Chuck Curry. I'm Victoria Keelan, and we're going to uh, break down some 80s blonde D-bags in today's episode. We're going to have a lot of fun with that. Plus, right now, we're going to kick it off with what are Chuck and Victoria watching? Chuck Curry, my fellow New Yorker, my fellow City Slicker, I toss it to you to kick it off. What are you watching right now? Uh, two things that I watch uh, that I really like right now. Uh, I just finished up season five of Ray Donovan on uh, Showtime, which stars actor Leah Shriver. Uh, primarily, the show is about a, uh, a Hollywood fixer. Guy goes uh, is hired by some of the Hollywood elite with major and serious issues. Uh, reminds me a lot in tone and also characterization, especially the family dynamic of uh, The Sopranos, which is one of my all-time favorite uh, shows. I dig uh, Leah Shriver in the lead role here. I think this is a high quality show that is uh, very complicated if you have a family, which I think most people do. His family is a little different than most. They all have uh, some serious issues. John Voight plays his uh, father on this show. I think he's really good. His brothers, uh, Eddie Mawson, is one of his brothers. The acting is top-notch. And I just want to say, one actress on the show, the actress who plays his wife, Paula uh, McAllison, um... I think is outstanding and certainly Emmy-worthy. So if listeners are on a, of our podcast are not watching Ray Donovan, I highly recommend uh, that you do. It's one of my uh, favorite shows right now currently airing on TV. And then I just want to point out, uh, I'm a huge fan, as you know, of The Walking Dead, which is on right. AMC currently in season eight. And this show has a very solid core fan base. Upward of uh, 17 million people at times are watching this uh, oh, I know. Her. My brother and his girlfriend are obsessed with this uh, with this show. It's amazing the the cult following, and Ray Donovan also has a cult following too. But what I what I think about The Walking Dead, although I continually uh, defend and uh, really dig the show, uh, it almost appears that the show has gone into uh, twofold. The Walking Dead pre season seven. That's when uh, before Negan, played by Jeffrey ne- Dean Morgan, entered the mix, and then season seven on when Jeffrey Dean Morgan's character entered the show, because the tone of the show and the dynamic really started to change when Negan entered. Uh, the premiere episode of season, season 7, Victoria, probably was the most psychologically disturbing piece of violence I've ever seen on a basic cable. <laughs> and that's saying uh, something coming from you. It, 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 it is saying a lot. <laughs> but it, it turned off so many of the loyal fan base that the show in some ways creatively, in a lot of people's minds, has had a little bit of an issue recovering in terms of what tone they're going down. Have they gone too dark? I personally don't think so, but uh, they've now done uh, the the premiere episode of this season was their 100th episode. 
I've loved the show from beginning to end. I just think uh, the arc, uh, it's one, it's a zombie show. Two, it's an end of the world show. Three, it's a human nature show and really shows some of the serious issues of what would happen if uh, society crumbled. You got your big bads. One was the governor. Uh, another was Gareth at the Terminus uh, arc. And now you got Jeffrey Dean Morgan as, as a Negan, who might be the most psycho- psychologically disturbing villain ever unleashed uh, upon the TV landscape. I really like what Jeff, Jeffrey Dean Morgan has done with the uh, the character. He's both seriously menacing and uh, very funny. I think Andrew Lincoln uh, has been uh, one of the best uh, dramatic actors on TV, puts his heart and soul into the role of Rick Grimes. So I thoroughly defend everything Negan on, and I like this uh, season a lot. It's, we are three episodes in. Uh, I think it's outstanding, works for me. But this is one of those shows, Victoria, where you really got a lot of the internet trolls who have come out in full force and Mm -hmm. have knocked it left and right. I can't even go on any of the blog pages anymore because there's so many uh, uh, naysayers knocking it. They don't like anything about it, so on and so forth. I just think it's all, uh, you know, a a bunch of uh, hyperbole. and, And these people, in some ways, I don't even know if they watch it, they just go on the internet to knock it, and uh, that's one of the issues with uh, TV and movies nowadays. You don't really know what the general public uh, feels about a certain show or movie. Did he really like it or not? Because so many of these trolls yeah. going on the net uh, and, and, and knocking it. But I'm going to give um, Ray Donovan four out of five zombies, <laughs> uh, and, and I'm going to give The Walking Dead the entire season and season eight, season eight four and a half out of five zombies. So... That's right. what I recommend. Well, those, I mean, those are certainly two, and I know what you mean, like, it's hard to know what what shows are actually doing well and things like that. You just have to kind of go by word of mouth with your friend circle, I think. I mean, I don't pay attention to what anyone says on social media. Um, and, and that actually leads me to, to my two things that I've been watching this week. Um, one, no one's talking about, and the other one is one that a lot of people in my group are talking about. Um, the one that no one's talking about, which I think people should, is a really cute, fun travel series. It's only six episodes. It's Jack Whitehall, who is a comedian from England. He and his very, very stuffy British father embark on a six-week tour around Asia. It's very cute. It's really funny at parts. Every once in a while, there's a little bit that feels a little bit staged, but not a whole lot, like not enough to to knock the series, but it's really cute. It's called Jack Whitehall Travels with My Father. That's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, so I would definitely recommend that. I think I would give that, that's a solid three out of five glasses of wine. I would definitely recommend that. And then the one that I'm really obsessed with this week, and I've actually seen it twice now, is the new George Michael documentary that he actually put together and directed himself. It, it was almost finished when he died um which is almost a year ago now christmas day and which is just so sad but even if you're a very casual fan of george michael it is such a great documentary really follows so many ups and downs that he had in his career the music is great the tribute that he did to freddie mercury is in there too uh with david bowie there's so much great music in it and just learning you know how many people really were influenced by him 
He's got commentary in there by Stevie Wonder, Liam Gallagher from Oasis, which seems like it's out of left field, but it's, you know, he, he adds a lot of cool stuff to it. Mary J. Blige, um, Ricky Gervais, who was friends with him, adds a lot of humor and a lot of social commentary. It's uh, it's on Showtime now. You can also stream it. Uh, it's I, I forget the exact name of it, but it's George Michael, the, uh, the documentary. And uh, I, I give that, that's a solid four and a half out of five glasses of wine for me. It was... I mean, it has every range of emotion in it. You you know, my, my husband and I watched it together and both of us were choked up at times. We laughed like it's just uh, it gives you the goosebumps. It's really, really great. So that's that's what Chuck and I are watching this weekend or this week. And uh, of course, we'll be tweeting all, all this out. City Slickers Pod is our handle on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And so you can follow along. We also tweet out and uh, send out some info on different news and movie releases and things like that. Our our main topic of discussion today is something that Chuck and I kind of started laughing about really behind the scenes. We do a radio show to a uh, radio segment together um, on, uh, ter- on, you know, FM AM stations across the country on a show called on air with Doug, Jen and Victoria and Chuck is our movie guy. And so we started talking about eighties movies and the villains and we, you know, and they're always the eighties movies villains were all blonde. And I don't know why that is. If that was like, and Chuck, maybe you know some behind the scenes of this, but they're all blonde. Like, I don't even know how that happened or if it just became a funny trend. But it's when you look back at whether it's a comedy or it's an, like an action type movie, they're all those 80s D-bags were all blonde. And the brunette, the brown haired guys had it pretty rough. So Chuck and I decided to put together a list of all of the our favorite 80s D-bags that happen to be blonde. So Chuck, why don't you kick it off with, 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 and this is in no particular order. We're not ranking anything. We literally just came up with a list each. Uh, and I'm anxious to see if we have any crossover to see, you know, who we like and who we think is fun and memorable and, uh, and who really stands out. So Chuck, what's, what's one that you've got on your list? It's one actor in three different movies and it's Billy Zapka who played, uh, the uh, the the real the real villainous putz in the Karate Kid. Oh uh, right, <laughs> jo- J- Johnny Johnny Lawrence. He also played another putz in uh, <laughs> Back to School with uh, Rodney Dangerfield, and he was also in another '80s comedy, uh, which I liked a lot. It's it's a little well, it was popular in its day, but I don't think you'd know what it was. I don't think many people would even remember. It was called Just One of the Guys. Oh, <laughs> uh, it, was a, it, it was a high school comedy about a uh, a girl who decides to dress up as a boy to uh, see what the other side is and if she would be treated uh, f- fairly. It was an actress named Joyce Hauser who I thought gave a really uh, good performance in that uh, movie. But uh, Billy Zapka is Johnny Lawrence would be uh, in, in the Karate Kid would be my uh, number one pick. He was definitely a good villain, and you know the funny thing is. Even all these years later, I think it was in maybe 2010, maybe 2009, not sure what year it was, but he reappeared playing the same kind of character in Hot Tub Time Machine. And that was that's a movie that, I mean, the name is ridiculous, and, when, and, and that was a total word-of-mouth movie. John Cusack and uh, Rob Corddry and um, who's the other guy in it from... Um, oh, who's the guy... He's the the black guy. He's in. Um, he was on a show too uh, on a. Comedy. I know what you're talking about. I, yeah, I, don't know I his forget name his name, but he's a funny guy, and that that's a very uh, funny movie. Sequel, not too much. Uh, yeah, didn't come back for that one, but I, I like Hot Tub uh, Time Machine a lot. 
And then you get to see uh, Billy Zabka. Is that his name, Billy Zabka? The actor, the Karate Kid yeah, guy? Yeah, Billy Zabka. You get to see him in that same role, essentially. And, and that whole movie, is if you haven't seen it, it's so funny. And it's just a spoof of every 80s movie. And it's um, it's definitely a lot of fun. But he, he was a great villain. I, he was on my list as well. Although I wasn't, I'm not a huge fan of the Karate Kid movies. But I did think he was definitely a convincing villain. Um, my first villain that I... The, and this is just the, in no particular order, just the first blonde D-bag from the 80s that popped into my head. Um, this is from a comedy, a John Cusack comedy again, with uh, with uh, Demi Moore called One Crazy Summer. And the guy who plays Teddy, <laughs> I don't even know his name, I don't even care. <laughs> he is he is like the useless, super rich, blonde D-bag son of a real estate developer who wants to tear down Demi Moore's grandfather's house. So it's like very 80s, rich kids versus poor kids, which seems to always be a theme throughout all the 80s movies. This one's set on the island of Nantucket. Um, beautiful scenery. Bill Murray's lesser-known brother. I don't even know which Murray it is, but he's had a few roles. He's also in this movie. He's funny. And um, and Bobcat Goldthwait is in it, too. He plays one Absolutely. of the Stork twins, which is hilarious. But this guy, Teddy, is just... He's the epitome to me of, like, such a useless 80s D-bag. Did you, how did you feel about One Crazy Summer? It's one of my favorite uh, 80s it's been, comedies. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember actually seeing that movie in a uh, movie theater. Not a great movie, but it fit right into that uh, 80s stuff. Uh, I love, I, yeah, I, love and I remember Bill Murray's brother also, who uh, was in uh, Scrooge with Bill Murray. Right. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's the other movie I've seen him in. Now, Bill Murray has an older brother, too, right, who's in a lot of stuff. He's got two I, brothers. Uh, none as popular as Bill, but yeah. uh, they have worked and uh, got some movie roles alongside Bill in uh, some of his bigger movies. Yeah. So what's next on your list of 80s blonde D-bags? <laughs> I, I went with uh, Bill Paxton's Chet in uh, Weird Science from 1985. Oh, okay. Uh, that, that, that was one of Bill Paxton's more insane Roles and it's interesting because when Bill Paxton passed away a few months ago, an untimely death, shocking to many people. Actually, you know, pretty sick. Bill Bill Paxton is a big fan's favorites. Had a lot of really good roles, but uh, this role he auditioned for uh, with uh, John Hughes didn't think he would get it. Wound up getting the role, and John Hughes gave him a lot of creative freedom to do pretty much whatever he wanted, including uh, the the hairstyle, the clothes. Uh, a lot of the dialogue was uh, Bill Paxson. He played really well off uh, Anthony Michael Hall and uh, Ian Mitch, uh, Mitchell Smith. That is a big cult favorite, not a critical darling, weird science, but I thought uh, Bill Paxson's Chet was a really funny character and uh, lives in infamy in uh, pop culture uh, annals. Uh, weird Science 85, Chet, really good uh, deep bag character. And you know, the funny thing is I've never actually seen all of Weird Science, but I think I should, because that's one of those movies that you hear people still talking about, and I I definitely have got to catch up on that one. Um, The next one, I I mean, when I think of 80s blonde D-bags in movies, I I, I go right to James Spader. I think James Spader, in Pretty in Pink especially, playing that horrible role of Steph, he was just such a dick. Like you just every time he was, every time he was on screen, you just kind of want to punch him in his face. But but uh, but but let me just defend the character. So okay, not to- not totally unlikable. That's true. Yeah. That is true. That is true. 
I mean, he he was good looking, like so he kind of had some swagger, but he was, you know, like poor Andrew McCarthy's character. He was such a punching bag. Like nothing he could do was was going to please Steph no matter what. And the funny thing is, a few years after that, they met up again and James Spader, even though he was in a nerdy character, he was still the villain in Mannequin, trying to take down Andrew McCarthy's love of Kim Cattrall. So it's like James Spader really had such a corner on the market of playing just the perfect blonde douchebag. It's a good pick. Uh, I I uh, I did a revival showing of Pretty in Pink about a year ago uh, at our local theater, uh, and we had about 140 people show up. This movie is very popular. It was one of those uh, John Hughes 80 movies. But James Spader's always been a really interesting actor. He did a movie in the 80s also called Tough Turf. He played the hero in that film. Uh, that movie's currently on DVD and I believe Blu-ray. I like that film a lot. And then it, just to bounce off that, another John Hughes movie, a similar type character played by uh, Craig Schaefer, an actor who actually went to uh, East Stroudsburg High School, uh, where I currently uh, live in uh, in, in the uh, Poconos, he was a uh, sort of a D-bag in a movie called Some Kind of Wonderful mm-hmm. with actress Catherine uh, – uh, no, Mary Stuart Masterson and uh, Eric Stoles. I like that movie a lot. If you're a John Hughes fan, that is a must-see. I think it came out the same year or one, le- one year later, played a very similar character, uh, sort of the D-bag who try- tries to break up uh, or throw a monkey wrench in the uh, – the budding romance of the main cu- main couple. So Steph McGrath, played by uh, Jane Spader, really good pick. And then I went with uh, Craig Schaefer from uh, another John Hughes movie, Some Kind of Won- Wonderful. It's amazing how many of these actors kind of, I mean, James Spader kind of got typecast a little bit, you know, playing all those kinds of villainous roles. Um, one of the other, uh, little on the random side, another another one on my list of 80s blonde D-bags is Kent from Real Genius. Again, kind of nerdy, like the, like the way James Spader played a little bit of a nerdy villain in Mannequin. Kent is also, I mean, he's... He is, <laughs> it's such a funny character. Real Genius, of course, if you've never seen it, stars Val Kilmer, who is, yep. I think, in one of my favorite Val Kilmer roles ever. He is, it real has a lot of comedy chops that he doesn't, he never really got to show in other movies, and so I love him in that. And of course, the honorable mention, it's kind of a, a twofer in Real Genius, William Atherton plays Professor Jerry Hathaway, and he is such a douchebag. And he and Kent, <laughs> he and Kent together, are like the douche twins and the funny thing is Jerry Hathaway when I think of him he's also in Ghostbusters he's Walter Peck the guy who's the inspector who wants to shut down the firehouse in Ghostbusters so he kind of cornered the market on playing basically the same character um, even though technically he's a redhead he's not a blonde but if he was a blonde he'd be a hundred percent on my list as well good actor though really good actor but kind of played the same guy all the time that's a really good pick, and I, I got to say, I remember seeing uh, back in the day, I saw Real Genius in a movie theater, and uh, the, the crowd dug that movie. The movie is a very strong co-following, and I do agree with you. If you like Val Kilmer, that movie really captured all the talent, I think, of Val Kilmer. He's, he's, he's charming, he's likable, he's funny, he's quick, uh, quick, uh, quick with a gift of gab. He's just uh, really good. That's a solid uh, Val Kilmer movie with a really good... Uh, D-bag uh, performance in that one. <laughs> I, I'm going to bounce into uh, Ted McGinley in a movie that I really dig from 1984, Revenge of the Nerds. Probably the best nerd of all time, played by actor Robert uh, 
Carradine, but Ted McGinley, McGinley played the uh, the uh, president of a fraternity, and he just hated nerds. And you really hate him in this movie. <laughs> and what makes this movie interesting is that Ted McGinley is playing a guy who is 20, and I think in real life he had to be about uh, 35 <laughs> to uh, 40. He does years look older, of yeah. Age. And for, for people who remember Ted McGinley, he, uh, he going back to uh, the late seventies, early eighties, uh, he played the guy who replaced Ron Howard in Happy Days. Uh, the show never really worked that well with him after Ron Howard left that classic seventies, uh, eighties TV show. His chemistry with Fonzie was nowhere the same as what Ron Howard's was. But Ted McGinley also did the uh, the Love Boat in the nineteen eighties, but played a really good d bag uh, in uh, Revenge of the Nerds, one of my all time favorite movies from the nineteen uh, eighties. And we're going to explore that classic year of movies uh, in a future podcast, which was nineteen eighty four, yes. which I always, have always said is the greatest year in the history of genre movies. I, we could go on for yep. hours talking about that. Uh, We're definitely going to do a 1984 film. podcast because I never thought about, I mean, some of my favorite movies are from that year. I just never put it all together. That was It was all from 1984. And I remember when you were doing a segment on the radio show one day, you just kind of gave off the top of your head a, a quick list of what came out in 84. And it's astounding. It really is. When you look at IMDb and you look at the year 1984, it will blow your mind. So we will definitely be devoting a podcast just to that year because there were some incredible movies that stand the test of time and it's just incredible that I don't know what was in the water in Hollywood in 1984 but you're absolutely right um that's something we'll definitely do in a future podcast uh my next one let's going uh, going back to Val Kilmer Val Kilmer as Iceman in Top Gun was a major D-bag, even though at the very end he had a little bit of a change of heart, and he was he was super hot, so like the girls really liked him, but he was a total D-bag to Maverick the whole time in Top Gun, and I thought he played the villain, you know, he's sort of a villain, but he's he's... He played it really, really well, and it was a totally different vibe from his character in Real Genius. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, Top Gun has a uh, big following. It's interesting that actually a Top Gun 2 has been greenlit with Tom Cruise. I don't think you're going to see Val Kilmer reprise that role. One of the issues of Val Kilmer, and it's interesting because you really jogged my memory bringing up some of this uh, stuff that Val Kilmer did in the 80s. He would later go on to get the Bruce Wayne Batman role in Joel Schumacher's uh, Batman forever but uh in the last 10 or 15 years unfortunately or f- depending on your point of view Val Kilmer's put on like 80 to 100 pounds so yeah he's got a lot of health really problems been, too der- yeah and he's got some some issues as you know a lot of stuff in the tabloids about uh, possible serious uh health issues yeah also but uh as Iceman in in Top Gun I agree with you uh he was uh, great. A A list uh, D bag material there. <laughs> a list D bag. That is true. <laughs> and I, I'm going to bounce off an- another one in a in a classic trilogy of the 1980s, and that would be uh, the actor Thomas Wilson who played Biff Tannen. Oh in the yes, Back to the Future yes. trilogy. Uh, cl- clearly, the classic definition of a D bag bully. Oh my God, Chucker, you're killing me right now. I am so happy you mentioned that. I didn't, I seriously totally forgot about Biff. And I love the Back to the Future trilogy. I think everybody does. And in every movie, you just love to hate Biff. I mean, Biff, to me, 
the I my least favorite of the trilogy was Back to the Future Two, even though a lot of people love that one. And I and I think the reason I didn't like it is because Biff was just so realistic and he was so mean that like it almost was a little too much. But he, oh man, that is a great great call. Yes, and whatever happened you know, to you him know, after you, those movies? I never saw him again. I, I just, yeah, he he's um, worked on and off his career. Really, never materials materialized that much yeah. after the Back to the Future uh, franchise. He does a lot of voice work and, and animated stuff and, and had bit parts on uh, some sitcoms here and there. But I'll tell you a quick story. A couple weeks ago, my daughter turned 12, so we rented the, the theater out here locally and uh, had about uh, 25 of her, her, her classmates and some of my uh, wife's family and my family came and we watched Back to the Future on the uh, big screen. It's actually my my daughter's favorite uh, movie. And I got to tell you, that movie holds up every single bit as good as it did back in 1985. It's a definition of a classic. It works on every level. Michael J. Fox, extremely likable, and his chemistry with Christopher Lloyd was impeccable. So good. But but I got to tell you, it's the the supporting characters that make that movie fly. Christian uh, Crispin Glover as George McFly. Uh, He's as quirky and bizarre in real life as he was (laughs) in that movie. But uh, Thomas Wilson did a a really, really good job creating a very uh, unlikable but semi-likable bully in Biff Tannen. Um, And even when he plays himself as like an old man, he was great. Really good. Really, really good. Even his old Biff. Yeah, that's all. Oh, Chucker, that's an awesome one. I am so glad you mentioned that. That is, a, oh, I love that. Um, now, my next one on my list was, I, I, I have to say, I didn't dislike him. I actually like him a little too much as a villain, but I have to go with Kiefer Sutherland in The Lost Boys. I love him as that villain. I think he's so good in the role. Yes, he's a douchebag. Yes, he's terrible, and he's a vampire. <laughs> and, he's, and his hair is not blonde. It's peroxide. I know. It's his, <laughs> it's his white blonde. I'm surprised it didn't fall out. But yeah, I mean, I, I just the, to me, The That's Lost Boys, movie. it's another movie that really holds up. It really does. I think that was, was that 1988? I don't remember what year. I didn't look up. Lost Boys was eighty-seven. Year. I believe eighty-seven. I mean, you know what's interesting? I went when I went to see the Lost Boys in nineteen eighty-seven, and back in those days, in the late eighties, the way studios got publicity for their movies because they didn't spend the massive amount of marketing, they would sometimes sneak preview the movie one week before its initial release. And I went with my brother to the Kingsway Movie Theater in Brooklyn. We saw the Lost Boys. I didn't know what to think of it, but when that line comes in the movie. When uh, w- one of the uh, Frog Brothers yells out, uh, "It's the return of Eddie Munster," the, <laughs> the house literally just roared with applause, and that was a lot of fun. That's a really good movie that has a massive uh, following to this day. Uh, but Keith Sutherland, really good in that film, really good. Well, and the funny thing is, my brother's name is Laddie, and the little boy is named really? Laddie. Yeah, and so like, uh-huh. I, my parents were not cool enough to name my brother Laddie because of the Lost Boys, but I have been telling everyone for years that that's uh-huh. who he's named after. <laughs> so I got a question for you. Why did they name him Laddie? Oh, it's a, it's a long family name. It's a family name. It's kind of a long story. I think it's just so much cooler to say, well, he was named after the little boy in Lost Boys. <laughs> 
But uh, yeah, that's, I mean, Kiefer Sutherland had a great run in the 80s as well, just with a lot of different types of movies. And to now see him on Designated Survivor as the president, it's it's funny to see he, how much range, you know, he really has as an actor. Um, what uh, what else have you got, have you got I'm on just, your I'm list? Just gonna, I'm just going to I'm just going to bounce into two more. I believe he had blonde hair. He's a little bit older. But Bo- Paul Gleason, the uh, the teacher who puts uh, the uh, Breakfast Club into uh, detention in the Breakfast Club, boy, he's an A uh, class D bag. Really good oh, actor. Yeah. He also played the uh, he also played the uh, FBI agent. Uh, uh, no, the head of the uh, L.A. Uh, uh, police in Die Hard. Uh, he was really good. Paul Gleason is playing those sort of uh, you know pure schmucks mm-hmm. on film type uh, characters. One in the Breakfast Club, uh, and, and which was in the '80s, and another '80s movie, '88 uh, uh, Die Hard, which I still believe to this day is the greatest pure action movie ever released. Wow. All right. So one other one other one that maybe you can help me out with the name. I don't remember the name, but the villain, the character, total blonde dickhead from Better Off Dead uh, with John Cusack, that the guy who's in that, I forget his name now. He also gets an honorable mention from me. And then, I mean, technically, douchebags are usually guys, but there is one. <laughs> and I don't like the movie, but I, I, I respect her in the role. One blonde douchebag female from an 80s movie. It's Jennifer Grey and Ferris Bueller. I couldn't stand her as such. She was such a d bag in Ferris Bueller. It's not even a movie I really like, but I thought that she was really good in a, as a character that was very easy to hate. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, very unlikable. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you bring up Ferris Bueller because that's another film that I did a revival of a couple years ago, and I, my opinion still is the same. I like the f- movie, but. I I would argue that Matthew Broderick's Ferris, in some ways, is a real uh, douchebag. Am I oh, am totally. I totally out of left field? On no, that? I think you're right. I, the, you know, the movie to me, I I mean, I didn't see it obviously when it first came out. I saw it years later. I was probably in high school when I saw it. But I just remember thinking, like, what's the hype? on this movie. I I felt so bad for his friend Cameron who wrecked his father's car. You know, it's like he 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 was a total douchebag. You're right. And that's a very weird thing for the lead of a movie to just be that douchey the whole time. You know, but, like you, you know, don't often see because that because the way people look at that character uh, is very polarizing. I look at him that way, you might look at him that way. Others people people love the Ferris character, but I his treatment of Cameron I've never real never really rubbed me the right way, yeah. but that, uh, uh, you know, the song and dance number, uh, Twist and Shout in Chicago on that parade float, I got to say, is classic. That is true. That is true. But it's funny because I don't really think, like, I don't remember really laughing at that movie. Like, I know it's a comedy, but it's supposed to be, but I don't, I don't know. It just, there was a lot that was lost on me with that movie. And to hear people still say, like, you know, they had Save Ferris t-shirts and, and there was a band in the 90s that even named themselves Save Ferris. And it just, it's, it's weird to me that that was a movie that really caught on the way that it did in that cult classic kind of way. But um, yeah, not it's kind of a downer of a movie to me. I don't, I, I never had great feelings about it. I like it. I just don't love it. I don't really, but it, but it has an amazing uh, following. My last one, just a, a, a throwaway sort of uh, honorable mention. I'm going to go with uh, the, the uh, real douchebag Troy in uh, the Goonies from 1985, yelling up that line down the, uh, 
the wishing oh, well yes. uh, at the Kerrigan. I think it says something like, you're a goonie. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's right. I forgot about him. It's funny because I was thinking at first, like, was Josh Brolin kind of the D-bag in that movie? He was a little bit as the big brother, but he ends up being kind of cool. But you're right. It's Troy. Oh, my gosh. That's no a good doubt. One. No doubt it's Troy. And I just want to mention, I know he doesn't have blonde hair, but it is an 80s movie. And I'm going to go back to Die Hard. But Hart Bachner, who plays Ellis in Die Hard, who uh, Hans Gruber gives a, uh, a can of Coke when he's trying to negotiate with a high-tech uh, terrorist, that one scene is an all-time classic. And that actor, Hart Bachner, who played Ellis, was awesome in that role. And he actually might be the uh, reigning king of douchebags from the 1980s. The only caveat, Victoria, he does not have blonde hair in the movie. Well, but you know what, though? That's still a compelling argument, so we will allow it. There are no rules here on City Slickers, so we'll allow it. So of all of those 80, of, of all of the 80s villains, the douchebags that stand out in your mind, who do you think gets the trophy for like the best of all time? Best 80s dickhead. I'm I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Ellison in Die Hard, despite the fact he doesn't have blonde hair. I just think he plays that character as such a putz and walks into a hornet's nest of ultimately his uh, mass murder. So doesn't get worse uh, uh, in terms of an endgame than that. So I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Ellis from Die Hard. All right, fair enough. I think I think if I if I have to give a trophy to one of the blonde D-bags, I think it's going to have to go to Spader. He just it's he just had that it was almost too he's very, natural. He's very he's very he's very smooth. Yeah, it, exactly. He really yep. is. He's a very smooth douchebag. <laughs> Oh, I love it. All right, well, that wraps up episode three, 80s Blonde Douchebags. And uh, as Chucker said, in a future podcast, we will be discussing pretty much all of the highlights of the year of 1984, arguably the greatest year for f- for film maybe ever. Um, but in the meantime, follow us on all of our social media, at City Slickers Pod on Twitter. You can follow Chucker at Poseidon72. I am at On Air Victoria. And, of course, give hit us up on Facebook. Let us know what you think. Who would you nominate as one of the classic 80s blonde D-bags? And uh, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Chuck. You got it, Victoria. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.